Yeah. And Dan, real estate is about developing long-term relationships to be yeah. successful in the long term. So you don't want to just be a one and done with somebody, close a yeah. sale, move on to the next and forget about them. So I think as an introvert, sometimes you're able to one-on-one connect better with somebody. And Welcome to the No Broke Months for Real Estate Agents podcast. Working as a real estate agent can be incredibly rewarding and fulfilling, but it can also be frustrating if you aren't making the money you deserve. So if you're ready to end the stressful cycle of working hard for no results, then get started with a proven step-by-step system so that every month is no broke months. Barry Kark is the broker owner of the Real Estate Powerhouses, a real estate brokerage company in El Pozo, Texas. With over 35 years of experience as a realtor, he has sold as many as 100 homes per year. Despite the success that Barry has achieved in real estate, he has always considered himself an unlikely realtor quiet, introverted, and unsalicit. Barry has created a podcast called The Real Estate Unsalesperson to encourage and inspire his fellow introverted realtors. His mission is to teach introverts unsalicit people, and those who do not have a sales background, that they have what it takes to succeed in real estate. Join us in this interview as Barry and Dan talk about why introverts make great realtors. My name is Dan Roshan, and I'm the host of the No Broke Months podcast, which is a show for real estate agents that's designed to help you have no broke months. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy the show. Hello, Consistent Predictable Income Community. My name is Dan Roshan. Today, I'm joined with my friend Barry Karch. And Barry and I are going to talk about why introverts make great real estate agents. And Barry is in El Paso, Texas, and has a ton of experience in real estate sales. In fact, 35 years of it with many years selling 100 plus homes. And despite the success that has achieved in real estate, He's always considered himself the quiet, unsalesy, introverted guy. In fact, he hosts a podcast show called The Real Estate Unsalesperson. I love the title of that, Barry. And welcome, Barry. Hi, Dan. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So 35 years of crushing it in real estate as introvert. Do I understand that correctly? That is true. I've been around a while and as unlikely as it might sound, I, looking back on my career, I consider being an introvert the key to my success. Hmm, tell us more about that. Well, I think a lot of times when people contact a salesperson, be it a realtor or any other type of salesperson, oftentimes they're a little bit uneasy, I think. They're afraid they're going to get someone real aggressive, pushy, yeah. trying to talk him into buying something real quick. And so they kind of have a little guard up and hold back. And so when they come in contact with someone like me or anyone else who's more on the introverted side, I think they relax a little bit. They say, okay, he's going to be okay. He's not real fast talker, high pressure guy. He's not going to try to push me into something. And they kind of let their guard down and get comfortable. So it creates a good atmosphere for working with someone and it works out. It really does work well. How do you make the sale? When it's time to ask for them to write an offer that will get accepted, what do you do? 
Okay. So if I'm working with a buyer, even though you might be a quieter person or introvert, I still think you can't be afraid to ask for the sale. Sure. People want to buy a house. That's why they are out with you. You're not just doing it for entertainment or fun. So at the beginning, I find out, I try to serve them. I listen to them. I spend more time listening than talking, which is a good thing in sales. And I learn what they want and get to know them and their goals. And after I show them a home or two or three or five or however many we end up looking at, depending on how many are out there in the market, I do it in a very simple, unsalesy manner. I always simply say, have you found a home you'd like to try to work something out on? That's it. Just a simple measure like that. And more often than not, they'll say, yeah, we like that last house we saw. Let's see if we can get it. So that's all it takes. Just simply ask them, did you find a home you'd like to try to work something out on? Very easy, non-threatening, unsalesy, but yet it's still asking for a sale. It's asking for if they're ready for some action without trying to push them. Got it. What about, do you work with more sellers and buyers? What's your portion? Yeah, I work with a little bit more sellers than buyers. I work both, but yeah. I do prefer the listing side because it's a little bit less time intensive, I think. And you can work with more sellers than buyers at once, not quite as much chasing around. So yeah, I do work on the selling side. And with the seller, basically, my parents used to be realtors. I kind of followed their footsteps into the business. Okay. And I remember my father always told me about, he called it the assumptive close. I don't know sure. really what okay. it is. Just assume you got the business. So yeah. I go through, I look at the house, we sit down at the table, I go through my listing presentation, go through the market analysis. And I just, I don't ask, I just assume they're going to list with me. So I just, after we finish going over the market analysis, I simply pull out the seller's disclosure because that's the least threatening form to fill out. It's not a contract. And I say, first thing we need to do is fill out this disclosure about your home and hand it to them. That's it. I don't even ask for the sale or anything. They start filling it out. You know, you got the listing. Yeah. Your style and my style is very similar in that piece of the approach where my closing question, it's almost identical. It's not the same, right? But it's Uh you'll see the similarities. My closing question is simply, how many ceiling fans do you have? Because I'm, yeah, <laughs> never I'm, heard that I'm, one before. Well, on my state contract, there's the personal conveyances is on the second page of it, and okay. sale offense is one of those conveyances, and it's something that people have to think about. So it's a little bit of a pattern interrupt because you don't necessarily know the answer to that. You know, most people don't. You yeah. have to sort of like think through it, uh-huh. and so it's a great pattern interrupt to have them start like, oh, I guess we have four ceiling fans. All right, I just start writing it down and then there I go. start going through all the personal conveyances, which is a very similar to what you did, I think. Exactly. You're just assuming they're going to list with you too. And if you stop and just say, do you want to list the home? Then they're going to, it gives them a chance to say no, or I want to think yeah. about it. You just keep proceeding ahead and assume they're going to list with you. Yeah. And then if they're not ready at that point, then they'll stop you. Yeah. And then, you know, the objection is going to most likely be, I have to think about it. Mm hmm. And, you know, you can then just simply say, well, I understand that. And I want to make sure you're comfortable and confident to be able to hire me. Just curious, what is it that's left to think about? Exactly. And and then just go in that direction. So you align with that approach. It's similar to your approach. Exactly. I would do the same thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Try to find out what the objection is, what they need to think about and see if there's anything you can do to clarify it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I know that you you've been doing this for a really long time in your second generation. 
But I am curious because I think that the listeners and viewers can benefit. Where's your business typically come from? What's the source? Where does it come from? Well, it's evolved over the years. When I first started out, I was just kind of learning the business and it was like probably a lot of people starting. Well, this is back in the Stone Age, really. So not like people starting now. I'm going to date myself here. I, it was before the internet, if you can imagine that. It was did you have the big Zillow. Books? Please, did you, have, did you have the big books? Had the big books. Oh my goodness, man. You're an old dude. <laughs> I am. I say that with love and kindness. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's okay. So I would start out in the old days. Uh, yeah. I did open houses, even though I hated them. I was bad at them. I would call expired listings for sale by owners, all the traditional things people are taught. But over the years, it evolved. I went to a seminar probably. 10 years into my real estate career, actually it was a real estate convention. And there yes. was a speaker there. I never heard of him at the time. His name was Brian Buffini. Hey, and that? so, <laughs> yeah, he was giving a little presentation there. So I stopped into the room and he was talking about working by referral and working your sphere of influence and popping by and visiting past clients with gifts. And I, afterwards I was thinking, I can see myself doing that. Um, it might take a little bit of guts to go over to someone's house and drop off a gift, but I can do that. So I started following his approach and lo and behold, my business evolved to the point where probably three quarters of it or close to three quarters of it is past clients and referrals from past clients. And so that's worked out much better. I'm sure it's more comfortable. You know, hustling every single day, it's a grind, you know, relating with people rather than calling expires, et cetera. That's attractive for many. But again, it just sort of depends on, you mentioned open houses wasn't, I didn't like them. Well, I don't like open houses either. So it seems like that's not your way. So it's just sort of discovering what is your way and then exactly. double, triple down on that. Yeah, I've tried all different things along the way too. Yeah. I mean, I've bought leads before from Zillow, Realtor.com. Really wasn't for me. I didn't really like it, but I tried all kinds of stuff. So you know, what works for me may not work for you or somebody else, but like you said, you got to find your way, find what works for you and go for it. There's more than one path to the top of the mountain. If you're looking for no broke months, I invite you to join the five day challenge for free. Save your seat at five day listing That's the number five day listing You'll learn how to take listings in today's market without cold calling, door knocking, or begging. That's 5daylistingchallenge.com. We help real estate agents have no broke months. What percentage of agents would you estimate are introverts in our industry? You know, I've come to find there's quite a few. There's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's at least 50%. Yeah, And I don't know about your experience, Dan, but looking around in my market, when I look at the people who are the top agents, the majority of them are actually introverts. They're not the people you would really expect. The people who are really loud, outgoing, vivacious, are often not the top realtors. So that's kind of been my experience in the business. Yeah, I think what I've observed is that personality you just described, when those people are successful in the business, it's all about the relationship but it's oftentimes buyers as well. And so they spend a lot of time with their clients. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, they're not able to scale it to be able to handle 100 plus transactions. 
annually. And that's what I found. You know, it's like they're comfortable with two, three clients at a time, something like that. And, you know, may end up doing 20 or so transactions a year. It's, it, you know, and those are the ones that succeed with that vibrant personality. Yeah. And Dan, real estate is about developing long-term relationships to be yeah. successful in the long term. So you don't want to just be like one and done with somebody, close the sale, move on to the next and forget about them. So I think as an introvert, sometimes you're able to one-on-one connect better with somebody and develop a relationship, especially over the long term where you keep in touch year after year after year after year, and then they come back to you and refer people to you. And that's a way really where you can do more business with less time because the people you've been in touch with for so many years are going to work with you again. You don't have to try to win them over or sell them or go on so many listing appointments with total strangers and only get a small percentage of them. Yeah. How do you do that in a way that you don't, that you know you're going to do so? I mean, how do you stay in touch with them? Okay. Several different ways. I will give them a few calls throughout the year. I know a lot of people are really scared of the phone. Like the scariest thing for a realtor sometimes is the phone. Like, what do I say? I don't want to call them. I don't want to be pushy. So I just simply call and if they bought the home, I just check in and I'm say, hey, just wanted to see how you're enjoying your new home. That's a pretty yeah. easy call, just being friendly. Or I'll call a few times and say, hey, just want to see how you're doing. What's going on? Don't have any ulterior motive or agenda. I'll follow up all the contacts with a personal note in the mail because how often does anyone ever get a personal note? Yeah. Like never. You know, your mail is just junk or bills. Junk bills and letters from Barry. Hey, that's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you get a personal note, it's going to be the first thing you uh, open. Yeah. Plus, the best thing for generating the repeat and referral business are those pop buys that I learned from Brian Buffini. I tried to visit all my clients and drop off a little gift at their house. And if they're home, I'll ask them, by the way, do you know anyone else looking to buy or sell a home? And people love a surprise visit of a gift because they don't expect that. Yeah. Whoever stops at your door with a gift, you know, your insurance agent doesn't do that. Nobody does that. So it sets you apart. And if they're not home, I just send them a little text with a picture of me at their doorstep dropping off a gift. So as long as just telling them, to be, hey, be sure to check yeah. when you get home. As long as it's you and not like at the window, like climbing <laughs> the side of the building, like, you know, as long as you're at the doorstep, I think that will work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The a strategy that I employ for that, you know, one of the things that I recognized when I started coaching agents and, and helping agents was that not calling their clients and then cause them to be uncomfortable to call their clients. You exactly. know, so and so what I recommend, I love what you're sharing hundred percent. I add one in there, which is the the client appreciation events. And so that is the easiest call that you could ever make is to invite somebody to a barbecue. And that could be simply, Hey, Barry, man, I'm sorry. I know I haven't reached out to you for a while, but I'm having a barbecue at my house this weekend. Love to have you and the family come on over. You know, would you be interested or something, whatever the appreciation event would be? I find that that's a very, very easy way to be able to make that phone call that otherwise you may be uncomfortable with. Yeah, I agree, Dan. You know, I've learned along the way. I don't want to give the impression I'm perfect and done this great the whole time. But I started doing this, as I mentioned, 10 years into my career. So there have been sure. some clients at that point I hadn't talked to in many, many, many years. And it does feel kind of weird or awkward to all of a sudden call someone up after eight years out of the blue and say, hey, just want to see how you're doing. So yeah. Yeah. 
So let me ask you. So if you're an introvert, you're listening or watching this show, No Broken Months podcast, what could you do right now? Like what advice can you give that person that will help them to instantly increase their production? Best thing to do if you haven't already is get a CRM, enter all your past clients in there, and then reach out to them all and keep in touch with the follow-up like I mentioned. Or if you're new to the business and don't have a whole heck of a lot of past clients yet, put in your sphere of influence, people you do business with, people's businesses you patronize, and there's nothing to stop you from dropping off a little gift at a restaurant you go to or something and say, Hey, just want to let you know, I'm in real estate. If you ever hear of anybody looking to buy or sell a home, let me know. It's pretty easy to do. Absolutely. And if you don't have a CRM, what CRM do you get? I would suggest for you or for the listeners and audience to whatever CRM you're going to use. If that's a notebook, that can be your CRM. (laughs) That was literally my CRM for years. Now, I got frustrated with the CRMs in the industry because they were either overpriced and well, they were mostly overpriced and also under easy. I don't know if that's a a correct phrase or not, um, which caused me to develop the CPI CRM. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I developed for my sales team. Initially, we spent almost $100,000 in production. So I just want to share that with the audience. If you're interested, you can find out about the CRM, the CPI CRM at uh, nobrokemonths.com. I recently wrote the book, Real Estate Evolution, The 10-Step Guide to CPI, Consistent and Predictable Income for Real Estate Agents. I wrote this book because I have sold real estate since 2007 and developed an immense amount of experience and knowledge. During my journey, I've witnessed hundreds and maybe even thousands of real estate agents fail in this business. And I firmly believe that that's a shame. In Real Estate Evolution, I will show you the exact steps that I have used as a real estate salesperson to sell one to 15 homes every single month for the past 129 consecutive months. It took me more than two decades to learn the sales and persuasion techniques and more than one decade to master the real estate sales techniques to be able to produce the content that makes up this book. And it took me more than a year to write at a pace of three hours every single day. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking for consistent and predictable income in your business, I invite you to get the book, Real Estate Evolution. And you can get that by visiting www.therealestateevolution.com. And I'll even give it to you for free as long as you pay for the postage. But Barry, let me ask you, what is the biggest challenge that you're facing today? The biggest challenge, I think like a lot of people for the last year or two was working with buyers just because of the undersupply of houses mm-hmm. and the all the competition you have, you're going up against when you write an offer. So that's been the biggest challenge. So Fortunately, I've focused largely on sellers the last couple of years because that's been much, much easier to work with. So we're having this conversation September 2022. And in the media right now, there's a lot of noise about doom and gloom in real estate and the economy. What do you expect coming in the near future? 
Well, I think it's going to normalize a little bit. You know, the last couple of years have been an aberration. It's not ever been like that before the market. And it's not going to stay like that forever. People always expect whatever the current condition is, is going to be like that forever. And it yeah. never is. It always changes. So I think it's going to be a little normalized where we'll have a little larger supply of homes and they're not going to sell instantly or over full price anymore. Yeah. So I think we're going to head more in that direction. I think the market will still be good. The good thing about real estate is people always need to buy and sell houses. It's not a luxury item or just something it'd be nice to have. People always want somewhere to live and things are always going on in people's lives. So it's a, a product or service people always need. Yeah, I think even, and they're predicting 20% less transactions this coming year than last two years. Again, last two years were just insane. And also, yes, 20% less activity. Really what that means to me is that those agents who are just sort of riding the wave and really are not interested in working, not interested in, you know, doing the task and that activity, they're going to just, you know, they'll be gone. And so I think for those of us who stay in the business and wake up daily and do the work, do the CPI time, lead generate, convert the appointments to meet with you, attend the appointments so that you get hired, negotiate inscription role play. When those agents that do those activities, there's going to be more opportunity because the ones that don't want to, they're going to be gone. Yeah, Dan, I agree 100%. I want to second that. Just because there's a slowdown isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It can be very good if you're one of the people that, as you said, puts in the work and continuously follows up and does what you're supposed to do. Maybe it'll be 20% less transactions, but there could be 40% less realtors out there you're competing against. So yeah. your market share could actually increase in a yeah. down market. And then certainly increase as the market, the tie turns at the other end of it. Exactly. You know, everything happens not in real time. So the age is getting out of the industry. They're going to be getting out of the industry after the market shifts, the same way as the agents, you know, when the market shifts back up, they're going to be getting into the industry after the market shifts back up, which means when that market's coming back up, you're riding that upwards with fewer other agents. Exactly. So it's an opportunity to pick up market share. Yeah. What do you like most about real estate sales? I like several things. I like the freedom, first of all. You're your own boss. I hear, I mean, most of my friends are employees and work somewhere and they're always talking about all the office politics and bosses and problems. And we don't have any of that. So we don't worry about that. Plus, you have unlimited opportunity. You control your own destiny. And what can be better than that? The harder you work or smarter you work, any ideas you pick up can create a lot more income for you. Plus, I enjoy the opportunity of all kinds of different people from all walks of life that I would and see all kinds of houses that I would never have normally seen. So yeah. I enjoy all of that, just the excitement of it. What do you not enjoy? What do you dislike? The 24-7, mm. being on call sometimes, that takes a lot of getting used to, always working, always something you can do or can do better or, or need to do. It never stops. Yeah, never stops. Do you have daily habits? Like, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. What are they? Uh, well, I always start off the day with exercise, first of all, going outside okay. of real estate, because your health is the most important thing you have. If you're not healthy, then nothing matters. You can't do real estate. You can't do anything. So I would start off the day with exercise. It makes me feel good, energized, and uh, get my day ready to go. Then when I get to work, I always have a list of tasks I want to accomplish, but I always make a habit of doing my least favorite 
most distasteful task first. Because otherwise you have this cloud hanging over your head all day long. You're dreading making this phone call or something you're not looking forward to. And it's ruining your whole day. So I make my least favorite call or my least favorite task first thing when I get started. Get it out of the way. Then the sun comes out. You feel better. You're happy about your day. And usually things aren't as bad as you expect them to go anyways. So that's what I do first. Yeah, that's a smart move because I find that those undones really, really take my energy. Yeah. And it's like, I know I need to do that. And for whatever reason, decide not to do it, you know, at a certain time that I will become exhausted by the end of the day until I do Mm -hmm. that task. Yeah. So eat the frog, Brian Tracy. Exactly. Exactly. So what do you see your business being five years from today? Well, I am evolving somewhat in my career at this point. I also am the broker owner of a company Mm -hmm. and I manage about 25 realtors. So I'm evolving more into doing that as a full-time role. I've been in the field a long time, 35 years of being on call and chasing around. That's probably longer than most people do that. So now I'm really enjoying mentoring and helping out other people and trying to encourage them and and help them get their production up or be a problem solver. So in five years, I'm going to be purely doing that and not being in the field whatsoever. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I did that in my career for 10 years. But I think the 10 year period that I did it was definitely too soon. You know, I think, you know, if you look at like sort of the, like where you are in your career today, it makes complete sense to me because then you're able to exercise the incredible experience and skills that you have, share that with others, make a difference, make an impact that's positive. And you don't have to go out in the field anymore, which is, you know, Night, you get rid of that 24 seven, hopefully. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy not having to jump when the phone rings anymore. Yeah. So what do you really value? Besides, you mentioned health, you mentioned time. Besides that, what do you value? Well, I'll give you two things. Number one, I value my relationship with my wife. I've been married 37 years now. And so she comes first. I try to put her in front of business all the time. So that is very important to me. And then second value is freedom. I do all kinds of spontaneous things. I travel, do all kinds of crazy stuff. So I value spontaneity and freedom, be able to do what I want to do. So those are the two things I value. Through your career, I'm sure you've had maybe one, maybe more than one. What failure have you learned from most? I can think of so many failures. The first thing that pops in my mind is, I don't know if it's my biggest failure, but I can never forget about it because it just stung me. And this happened probably 30 years ago. Okay. I had a listing appointment coming up and I was all excited about it because it was in a good area that would sell. And I was talking to the lady on the phone who called me about the appointment. I was getting ready to schedule the time to be at her house. And I, my intention was I wanted to have all the, if there are any co-owners of the home, I wanted to have them all present when I went over there so that we could all sign the paperwork and she wouldn't have to say, well, I got to talk to Joe Blow before I do anything. So, but I didn't put it in a very tactful way. I asked her, 
I said, do you have a husband? I didn't mean it that way. Right after I you did, just said that you value your wife as number one. I know I'm an idiot. I, I still am embarrassed by this 30 some odd years later. I didn't mean it that way. I yeah. just wanted to see if she was married, if her husband could be present also. Yeah. I meant it innocently, but it didn't come across that way. And I still remember she said, oh, I can't believe you asked me that. I don't know what other questions you might ask me. I don't want to meet you anymore. Let's cancel the appointment. And so that stung. And I learned to be tactful when talking to people, to learn to be more, much more tactful and ask questions better from their point of view. Well, at least 30 years later, you can laugh <laughs> about it. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I still remember that. That's funny, Barry. You host a podcast. I do. Tell us about yeah. that. So the name of the podcast is? It's called The Real Estate on Salesperson. All right. And what the gist of it is, is for people who are not natural born salespeople or, or unsalesy, is to encourage and inspire them that they can be successful in real estate sales. You don't have to fit a certain mold or feel like you have to be the most outgoing person in the room to be successful. I love it. I love it. So come to No Broke Months to learn the processes. Go to the Unsalesperson podcast to learn about how you can embrace your superpowers, particularly if you aren't comfortable with sales. Exactly. Barry, how can somebody get in touch with you? They can go to the real estate unsalesperson.com website and there's a contact page there. They can okay. leave me a voice or email message. Awesome, Barry. I appreciate your time today. It's good to reconnect with you and you just want to wish you nothing but success and your journey. And I know that you'll be leading some great agents to, uh, and you'll be such a resource for them. Thanks, Dan. I enjoyed it. And uh, you've got a great show. Love what you're doing. I appreciate that. God bless you. Everybody, I want to wish you to have the best day of your life. Be grateful, make good choices, and I'll talk to you next time. Hate the feeling of missing out and not knowing where to start? Aside from grabbing a copy of The Real Estate Evolution, the 10-step guide to CPI, we also encourage you to join our ever-growing group, the Consistent and Predictable Income Community. Apply for membership on Facebook and visit us at NoBrokeMonths.com online to listen to our previous superstar interviews. I'm a seasoned agent, but I've certainly had uh, some months uh, with no business and some cash flow issues. Dan's opened my eyes to a lot of things and taught me things that I just haven't been able to get anywhere else. So learning his methodologies has been really helpful to me in my life and very importantly, in my business.